so I went to the dentist today. And I'm going to be honest, I've only been to the dentist twice in the last decade. Oh my God. I yeah. go every six months and I fall asleep in the chair every time. What a fucking bitch. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm serious. She's The dentist <laughs> is in there like working on, you know, cleaning him, whatever. And I'm like. <laughs> no, no. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. Um, no, I did not go to the dentist. I hate the dentist. And then I didn't have insurance for a long time. So I was like, that's my excuse. Don't look at me like that. You've like, definitely had insurance for like at least the last six years. Paul. <laughs> I didn't have let insurance me, for a long time. Okay? Let me have my goddamn excuse. Okay. <laughs> my point is, so I went to the dentist today and for my fucking cleaning, I had to get two shots of Novocaine. And this was after Why did this you have woman, to get shots for your cleaning? Because I haven't been to the dentist much in the last 10 years. So there was a lot of shit to clean. More importantly, this was after she had done all that numbing. She numbed my whole bottom gum. I think you're just a little bit Several times. Shut up. And then um, when she told me that she had to give me the shots, I had a full breakdown in the chair. <laughs> and she Have you ever seen the me. needles that they use for that? I don't look at it. I don't look at oh it. Oh my god! So one time I saw don't the needle. Don't tell me. I don't. They're literally hear it like long. they're like this big. I have to go back. Don't oh. tell me. <laughs> I know they're long. This, this, this Did you lady, tell her that? Oh yeah, I'm, I told her I was very. I was like, I'm very nervous. I haven't been in a while. And no, about the needle. Did you say you have a thing with needles? No, but she Ooh, could tell. I think she could tell when I sat up and I started hyperventilating and then I started crying. <laughs> and then she had to keep me from leaving the dentist's office. I think then, then she was like, "It's okay." You're still attached, I don't to, like. You're still attached to the <laughs> exactly. X-ray machine. It's like, and I'm like trying to get. And she's like, "I don't like needles either." And I'm like, "Bitch, this is not what this is." <laughs> attached that. Just dragging the whole dentist bed out with you. No, I'm out, I'm basically. Out. So definitely my manliest moment of 2019. Um, but yeah, but I survived. Took two hours, but I am here, kids. An hour and a half of that was the, the breakdown. <laughs> was just her. Well, yeah, after it was done, she was like, "See how much faster that went." Whenever because she kept being like, "Honey, why don't you just let me give you the Novocaine?" I was like, "No, I'm fine," and I'm gripping the chair and she's <laughs> ripping like, the chair apart. <laughs> exactly. And so finally, she gave me the Novocaine, which I admit was not as horrible as no. I thought. So my dentist, um, I'm the same way with needles, full blown panic attacks, yep. passing out, everything. Mm -hmm. She, whenever she knows she has to give me something, she'll like put my head to one side and like have it fully numbed and then she'll just start talking to me and like won't even tell me like it's coming. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I know it's coming, but she won't be like, oh, it's coming right this second. But she'll just like have a conversation with me and then all of a sudden be like, okay, we're done. And like, I have no idea that the shot was there ever. She's, really? I don't know how she does it. It's magical. Wow. But she saved me a lot of panic attacks. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> and I've only had to do it when I had, um, I had to have a cavity filled. I don't. I've uh, never needed it for a cleaning. I think you're just a little. I'm little, not a little bitch, Paul. I had a lot of buildup. Okay. Okay. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. Anyways, so yeah, but my teeth are clean. I have to give blood sometime this week, this month for a blood test for my physical every year, my yearly physical. Yeah. Mm -mm. I'm terrified. It's gonna be rough. That's worse than a shot by like a hundred times. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, it's a hundred percent worse. No, it's, you just they, once they hook you up, then you're just laying there. Nope. And then I know the blood's leaving my body, <laughs> and my I like spiral out of control. My my like thought process, I just start to get dizzy. Everything starts to turn red. I used to get tunnel vision, and then when they take it out, and I can and I know the blood's out of my body, I just like mm -hmm. I'm done. I can't believe you're calling me a bitch when this lady was literally just 
I don't know what the she was scraping at my teeth. You know what? Like on top of the noise of like she's inside my mouth, and you're just having a little bit of blood leave your body, and you're passing out. So who's really the bitch, Paul? Definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, um, I gotta get a couple cavities filled because the doctor told me that I've been grinding my teeth, and uh, I popped out. I guess I popped out old cavity fillings. Oh, wow. Good job. So my stress level is at a good... I think you just need to drink less caffeine. Nah, I don't think that's it. You're like, (laughs) this coffee's really good today. (laughs) I made it with some stronger beans this time. I will say that whenever... I don't think I ever grind... I ever ground my teeth. I I do. Mm. And and it's got to be fairly recent because I've noticed it in the last year where I woke up and I realized my teeth have been grinding because I never felt that before. But... Whenever I was drinking, that was one nice thing because I would knock out. And you don't grind your teeth whenever you pass out. You just pass out with your mouth open and everything else. Um, so <laughs> the Probably benefits just stress of levels. Yeah. I mean, you did a lot. Bought a house, got married. Yeah, it's You know, a lot. work's been busy. You've done a ton. So yeah, probably just stress. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm and you're working on the pregnancy, too. Yeah. You have stressors from like six different ways. So that's what I like to do. I like to combine all the stress at once. I, that, Why I spread know you it do. out? I know you get do. it over with. That's how I see it. <laughs> get it over with. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, what about you though? Anything interesting happened to you lately? Uh, I DJed another drag brunch. Okay. DJ Polly Pocket. Yes. I heard you guys get new sound equipment. Uh, yeah. So the Trailer Park Girls do sound now. Mm. So if you need like. You know, if you're throwing a party and you just want entertainment and music or just some music, they do that. Um, yeah, I did a lot. Of, I've been planning for David's birthday, which by the t- no, this is dropping. Yeah. So his birthday is on the 22nd. Mm-hmm. So I've been like planning for that. I've been really good this year because usually I just panic by everything at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually went to the mall, took a couple hours to like walk around, go through all the shops and pick out okay. a few different things. Um, yeah, I just been, you know, doing my thing. Yeah. We got <laughs> Friendsgiving this weekend. Friendsgiving, yep. And then, um, yo, I'm taking him to a really nice restaurant for his birthday. That's nice. Yeah, just, I mean, I've been really just planning his birthday. And I mean, I was, I had a horrible cold for like two weeks that I finally yeah. just got over. Um, so I've been pretty quiet. Yeah. Pretty relaxed. <laughs> I almost died on my trip back from Indiana. How did you manage that? Well, we got stuck in the fucking snowstorm that hit the Midwest. That's when it decided to snow was on our way back. And so Samantha and I driving through freaking Ohio um, at like literally 40 miles an hour. There's just cars lining the roads that have got slid off the road, semis oh, that have flipped over. And we're just death gripping it because fucking Ohio doesn't have a freaking exit or are they there there are no hotels there are no gas stations for over a hundred miles you have nothing how do you not have a gas station i for don't miles? know ask ohio there is nothing there is i'm not lying i'm not exaggerating go on how 80 30 and 80 east and there is nothing for a hundred miles and so we just uh, kept plowing away and then finally we're able to pull off we actually got to our friend jill's house um because she lives in the other end of ohio and we stayed with her the night. And then we, then we got up the next that's day. That's crazy. 
Yeah. How do you not have anything for 100 miles? Yeah, I don't, That's like longer than all of Rhode Island. Most importantly, how the fuck does Ohio not salt and plow their roads? Because it wasn't like the snow snuck up on them. They knew the snow was coming. For days, they knew the snow was coming. Like, you're Ohio. You get lots of snow. What the fuck, Ohio? Are you listening to me? Because I want to know why the hell you're all not salt and plowing your roads. All of Ohio tuned into this one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I want to take this and I want to speak to your manager. And I want to know what the fuck is going on. That's actually really crazy exactly so yeah but yeah good stuff so in case you didn't know you're listening to the your queer story podcast <laughs> if you just somehow stumbled across this and wondered why there were just two men bitching about things for uh eight minutes roughly mm, um yes. you you're in the right place yes. um you didn't take a wrong turn and click on like a rant podcast that's not what we are for the most part who knows maybe one day until we start, unless we're doing like our uh, our satire, like uh, asshole episodes where we oh, make fun yeah. of people, then we kind of rant for like queer an villains. hour. We're due for a queer villain. We it's are. Just, pff, trying to squeeze one in with all the stuff um, we got going well, on. Well, we had a whole month of them, kind of. We did. That's true. Of course, yeah, they were all queer people, but they were villains as well. Mm-hmm. October, go back and listen to those <laughs> assholes. Um, we are the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism. <sighs> and mm-hmm. we are coming to you this November... Um, we skipped a week because Evan decided he had to be busy. Yep. Uh, but we're back, mm-hmm. and we're better than ever. And we're as queer as ever. And I'm Paul, and with me is Evan. I'm Evan. And that was the most put together intro we've ever done. That's so, fantastic. Let's. This you're is welcome. a wrap. The podcast is done. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Seventy-six episodes in, we finally did a real introduction. Uh, so yeah, I guess that that's it, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we have nowhere else to go from here. We have peaked officially as podcasters. <laughs> Um, so today we actually, if the, if you're listening when this episode drops or right around there, then you know that this, this has been, the previous week has been trans awareness week. Um, and that is because, wow, did you, first of all, did you just pop every joint in your body? I don't <laughs> know if you heard elbows. a loud pop that was all Paul. <laughs> Anyways, it was Trans Awareness Week, and they we do that because it leads up to the Transgender Day of, no, of Remembrance, which is November 20th. So... Uh, so November 20th is when it was first founded 20 years ago, actually this year. It was founded in 1999 and created by a transgender woman and queer activist, Gwendolyn Ann Smith. And Smith had been active in the trans rights movement during the early 1900s. 1990s, 1900s. <laughs> She's been around for a long she time. She just keeps on and kicking. You know, she looks as beautiful as ever. <laughs> she was active during the early 1990s, starting one of the first online public forums for transgender people. A 1990s public forum mm. for transgender. Uh, that was risky. How fun and slow. That was. <laughs> I mean, it probably took 30 minutes just to load That's one post, but it was probably. I mean, the the internet and the like. When the internet first came around, it was the Wild West. Like, anything went. So I can't imagine the kind of either posts that were on here. Hopefully, she was able to keep it, like, restricted. Yeah. You know? Because there wasn't much, like, moderation back then. Yeah. So who knows what was on that forum. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you had to know how to find it in the first place. Well, I mean, restricted for their safety, not like yeah. they're oh, posting I, bad yeah, Oh, I get you. So people couldn't find them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And harass them and stuff. She has a degree in graphic arts and design and web design. So, okay, she I mean, probably she probably had, had pretty good control of mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah, it's not like today where anybody can design a website, but you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're like me. <laughs> so um, anyways, uh, so it was one of the first public forums for transgender people. She also wrote articles and various online blogs before finding her current position as a columnist for the Bay Area Reporter in San Francisco. But Gwendolyn's most, lag- most lasting legacy will no doubt be her organization of TDOR, Transgender Day of Remembrance. <clears throat> The idea for the ceremony was sparked by the murder of Rita Hester, a black trans woman who was stabbed to death in her own apartment in Alston, Massachusetts, on November 28, 1998. Immediately after her death, friends and family organized a candlelit vigil to remember Rita, which drew around 250 people in attendance. Just one month before Rita's murder, Matthew Shepard had also been gruesomely killed. Yet, unlike the nonstop media coverage of Matthew's death, as well as the quick capture and conviction of his killers, Rita's mur- murder was relatively ignored by news stations, and her case has never been solved. Which, shout out to all my true pr- crime podcasts I listen to. Mm-hmm. You should do an episode on this. There you help go, her, Help Hester. her get... Help her get well, some... Well, it's right um, up there with Marsha P. Johnson. Her death is also yeah, never been solved. Yeah, that's true. You know, she just... They like she just killed herself in the river, but somehow she had a hole in her head. Right, so. she put a hole in her head. She shot herself in the head and then jumped in the river. Yeah, mm. makes perfect makes, sense. Yeah, a black transgender woman dying seemed of little concern to the nation, including many of the larger LGBT organizations who had capitalized on the spotlight surrounding Matthew's death. Outraged by the neglect and apathy over Rita's murder, Gwendolyn Smith put her graphic design skills to work and created the website Remembering Our Dead which listed the names and death of transgender people from 1970 to 1998. Yeah. And which, that's incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it is incredible. Especially I'm, sorry, I don't 90s. mean to interrupt yeah. you, but I'm going to speak on the web design requirements of that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you knew what you were doing, it, was, it wasn't that hard. But, I mean, today, if I was going to build a similar website... It's a lot of drag and drop. I can copy and paste and do all that. She actually had to go in and like handwrite code, HTML, and all kinds of things to get this to display. This was like a big project. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. It's it's just like the forum that she did, you know. Mm -hmm. She did a lot. She was like one of the first online activists and really helped pull the trans community together because if you're transgender, first of all, there's so few of us. And then to be able to go out in public, if you don't live in a big city, you're fucking screwed. Right. Oh, absolutely. Literally. Exactly. So using the internet to bring the trans community together was huge. And that's partly why TDOR took off because it was just at the cuffs where you could get the information out there and you could let people know, hey, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just readdressing Matthew Shepard, which if you go back and you listen to our episodes on him, um, just a horrendous murder. But we talked a lot in the episode about how he was this young white kid that everybody could look up and, and think, oh, this is my son. And that's why the nation was so grieved by yep. it. He had the blonde hair, blue eyes, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, everybody either had a son, a cousin, or, you know, a brother. That looked I like mean, him. I mean, not everybody, but. Yeah. Well, you knew somebody that looked like Matthew, and, right. and like and like I said, like I said, you, the media could present it to the white population. The white population could feel mm-hmm. bad, but this wasn't because uh, anything so much about gay rights. Because as we see, when Rita Hester is murdered a month later, nobody gives a shit. Right. Absolutely. You know, so it wasn't like, oh, we're trying to be more progressive and kind. It's it's just how the public reacted to mm-hmm. Matthew, which has been good for us overall. But again, shows the racism. Absolutely. Um, So the following year, on November 20th, 1999, Smith organized the first official Transgender Day of Remembrance vigil. Today, over 200 cities and countries around the world observe this practice. 
In 2017, Canada became the first country to officially declare TDOR as a National Day of Remembrance. The ceremonies and services surrounding the day will vary from area to area. There is no required format, though most do include the candlelight vigil. As for those remembered, the official Transgender Day of Remembrance website only recognizes those lost to anti-trans violence in the past year. However, in some communities, organizers may choose to include other transgender individuals who passed from other forms of death, and we encourage you to see what events may be held tonight or the rest of the week in observance of TDOR. And all this week, there are there are vigils and, and different ceremonies going on. Um, not ceremony, but yeah, ceremonies going on. Like uh, the Boston Globe just printed an article about a big one that was in Boston and, and things like that. Um, and uh, just so you know, um, I don't think I said in the last thing. Uh, so now um, Gwendolyn has changed the site from Remembering Our Dead to Transgender Day of Remembrance site. So mm-hmm. the, the website switched in sometime in the early 2010s. If you don't have time or you can't make it out tonight or maybe there's not anything going on in your area, take 15 minutes, look up a couple articles, just mm-hmm. get, expand your knowledge base. You know, it could be anything related to transgender rights or health or the needs of the community. Just take 15 minutes and do a little research. You have 45 minutes to listen to us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can read 15 more minutes, you know, get a little more education, help out the community a little bit more. Yes. So in addition to the awareness brought on by the annual vigil, the research and information available on trans issues as a whole has only increased and grown with time, as has some of the misinformation about the community. Today, we're going to discuss five of the most common myths and misconceptions surrounding trans people, as well as some of the wonderful facts about the community. And we'll end the podcast with the list of transgender people murdered in America during 2019 as a tribute to them and a transgender day of remembrance. So let's start with some common misconceptions. All right. So misconception number one, what is a transgender person? A transgender person is someone whose gender identity or gender expression is not in agreement with their biological sex or their sex assigned at birth. This term is an umbrella term for anyone who falls in this category and therefore covers the following. Transsexuals, people who seek medical treatment to change their bodies. Transsexual is an older term and specifically and only refers to those who seek medical intervention. Even so, most younger trans individuals prefer the umbrella term of transgender to the older term of transsexual. Crossdressers. While the term is used in a legal sense to cover anyone dressing outside their perceived gender, in the trans world it applies specifically to men who crossdress, meaning they prefer to occasionally wear the clothes and makeup culturally associated with women and temporarily act in feminine fashion. Cross-dressing men still identify as male and most are heterosexual. The old and outdated term for cross-dresser is transvestite, but the, that term along with the word tranny are offensive and should not be used. And cross-dresser is not a drag queen. Right. And then we have non-binary and gender queer. There are a few terms which people who don't fit into the gender binary use. We will not get into the various definitions on this episode, only to say that those who don't identify as male or female are still considered transgender. This is because they have all been assigned a gender at birth and their gen- their expression or identity does not fully match that gender or perhaps does not match any gender at all. So again, we have transgender umbrella term, mm-hmm. and then you have the different people that fall under that umbrella. Yeah. Um, misconception number two, gender and sex are the same thing. 
The more research is done on sex, gender, and sexuality, the more concepts on binary genders and orientations are broken down. But a big misconception is that sex and gender are the same. In reality, we have three categories, sex, gender identity, and gender expression. Sex. It is the biological makeup of an individual combined with their assignment at birth. If we base sex upon genetic criterion, meaning based upon genitals, then we have three sexes, male, female, and intersex. But there are other ways we measure sex, such as genetic, chromosomes, hormonal, the predominant hormone, either testosterone or estrogen, and anatomical, how the genitals look. In the 1990s, Dr. Anne Fosto-Sterling found five sexes five sexes in her gonadic research alone. When we factor in the following 20 plus years of genetic research, the number of sexes becomes almost infinite. Regardless of what an individual wants to use to define sex, what we know for certain is that there are more than two sexes. Yeah, whenever people are like, well, what's in your pants? Well, even then it doesn't matter. So like, you're not going around looking at everybody's dicks or everybody's, you know, whatever is down there. Right. So you just assume that everybody looks the same, but they don't. There's different sizes. There's different, there's, there's completely different shapes, different. different colors, different textures. Everything. Well, like you said, just in, just in her study of gonads, mm-hmm. there were five different sexes. So if you're like, well, it's your genitals. Well, that's not true. And if you're like chromosomes, don't even fucking get started. So when right, people yeah. say your biological sex, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people do it down. They'll be like, okay, so it's your reproductive organs. And that's how a lot of like the bigots will use to define right. what is sex. But, you know, but, and there are some transgender people that are like, okay, fine. Um, this is my sex, but this is my gender identity and my expression. Right. So gender identity, this is the internal sense of one's gender. Here's where a lot of the confusion comes in. Most transgender people will not debate on whether sex is limited to a few current definitions. However, gender identity is socially constructed and therefore is a neurological aspect of gender and sex. Studies have shown that many trans people have the brain scans of the gender they identify with rather than the gender they were assigned at birth. Though we must point out that these studies have not yet been proven conclusive, there is more research to be done. Uh, so like um, they just started doing this mm-hmm. and it's not f- true for every single transgender person, but a lot of times, especially in younger kids that do, who like they're assigned a male and they identify as female and they find that their brain scans match female. Yep. Yet when we say socially constructed, we mean that gender identity is created by the surrounding society. We have spoken at length about the various gender identities in other cultures in times past and today. One of our most in-depth episodes spoke about the two-spirit individuals of the North American tribes. Almost every indigenous society in America pre-Columbus recognized three to five genders. And this was not central to North America by any means. In 2015, PBS produced a map which shows multiple gender identities all around the world. We've shared the link and the map in our script for our leaders to check out as they as well. For our listeners, not our, our leaders. Our leaders, our, ris- our <laughs> listeners and our readers, if you're reading the script rather than <laughs> listening to it. <laughs> um, I just want to kind of, I mean, I know we have one more thing, but I just kind of want to go back into the sex. Um, yeah. What, how, okay, so the gonads, right? Mm-hmm. Found five sexes in there. Is there yeah. more information about that? Did we post that? 
Um, I did not post her specific study. I posted, I but I did them. post a great link in the bottom that talks about the different sexes where they pull that because her study has since been like that was one of the earliest studies into it's been like multiple sexes. Changed, yeah. So it hasn't been disregarded, but they were just like, but sh that was her big finding. Like, there's five sexes. That's the '90s, and today mm -hmm. they're like, but really. I mean, it's all about how you measure sex, you know, like we said, whether you, so how you look at people, how you, their chromosomes or their, their general. I'd like to read into them, find yeah. out, learn more about myself. There's a, there's a really good article <laughs> at the bottom that I linked in. I think it's called, um, uh, like all the sexes or something like that. So that's, that's at the bottom. All right. And, uh, next up we have gender expression. This is the outward expression of gender through name, pronouns, clothing, etc. The final ladder on the rung of gender is by far the most culturally cultural culturally is the most culturally obvious and most dangerous. Most people in Western society won't, today won't argue that an individual can dress and express themselves how they please. We emphasize most people, <laughs> provided of course that the individual chooses a gender and sticks with it, except when entertaining, such as in drag. And this is where our non-binary friends truly struggle. Because while a binary trans person sticks to their role, so to speak, a genderqueer or non-binary individual does not fit any role. There is certainly a large amount of hate spewed at trans people daily simply because they ask to be acknowledged for who they are. But ironically, it is often the binary trans community which gives their non-binary trans friends the most trouble. For instance, a transgender man wanting to put on a dress draws much harsher criticism than a cisgender man doing the same thing. No doubt this is a result of fear of further backlash from the bigots. Yet, this reaction ignores the lines between identity and expression. Every individual, trans or cisgender, has the right to identify and express themselves how they please. And if the expression doesn't seem to match the identity, then it is our perception of expression that is skewed and not the, expression, not the expressive individual's error. Yeah, so a lot of people don't think, I don't think they think about this. And when I came out as trans, I didn't realize, I, I didn't expect my reaction that I would have the first time I saw a transgender guy doing drag. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you, like, why would you go back to that? That's how I was thinking. And that's when, I, because I didn't understand the difference between sex, identity, right. and expression. Like, the, the thing is a cisgender person never questions their gender identity. It's always linked with their mm -hmm. sex. And they just assume that's the same. And it's not because you've just never questioned it. Right, you've never had the need to. Exactly. So when they do a gender expression that's outside their identity, it's, it's perfectly fine. But a transgender person who has to divide all three and their expression doesn't match their identity all the time. It, you know, you get a lot of hate and you get a lot of confused looks and you get a lot of people saying, well, I, well if you want to be a girl, then why didn't you just say a girl? You know, like yeah. that kind of crap. So I definitely like uh, trans guys in the in the drag community and or even uh, trans women in, you know, in the drag community just having to constantly combat these things. And like even trans women who are drag queens and people not understanding that their drag is separate from their trans mm -hmm. identity. Like yep. this is this is an art form that they're expressing that, and just because they happen to be trans, you know, it's right. two, it's two different things. Um, so misconception number three: it's easy to be to transition. That's such a loaded and false statement. The reality is that there are many layers to transition, and most transgender people never feel that they are quite done transitioning. The three stages of transition are social, legal, and medical. Not every trans person will undergo all of these stages. This does not make them more or less trans. Transition is a personal journey that varies from individual to individual. Each stage comes with its own risks and rewards, and they are as follows. 
social, coming out as transgender, possibly changing your names or pronouns, possibly changing your clothing and grooming habits. Some of the rewards, living openly, expressing how one pleases, being true to oneself, and some of the possible risk, loss or ostracization from friends and family, loss of job or housing, social ostracization, physical harassment, and violence. So uh, most trans people that you know, that means that they've socially transitioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have come out right. and told you. Uh, the next step is legal. Changing one's legal name and gender, I- and gender identity on government documents. Some of the rewards include less risk of being outed by documents, ability to pursue surgery if one chooses, having the correct information on one's identification. So I put the ability to pursue surgery because you have to often be legally transitioned mm-hmm. in most states to get to get surgery. And some of the risks include um, it's often a lengthy and expensive process. Chances of denial by schools or government branches having to come out every time you go to have a new form or ID corrected because when you have to come out, you're never done coming out. No. And this is one something I had to tell somebody one time because um, they're like, oh, you came out, it's fine, blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah, I'm great. Like, I don't have a problem coming out to people. Yeah. That's me, though. I know some people who still get nervous. But when you come out, you don't get to just come out and be done. Yeah. You end up having to come out to your coworkers. You have to come out to the coffee shop. You have to come out to your doctor. Like... It's not like you just came out of the closet one day and you're like, live the rest of your life. You're like, I'm out and free. You have to re-come out to everybody. Yeah. It's such a cisgender, heterosexual world. Like, everybody right. just assumes. And especially if you're gay, you're constantly like, oh, you and your wife? And you're like, my wife, David? Yes, he's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes if I'm in a really uncomfortable situation, I will use the, the gender neutral term uh, fiance. Yeah. And I don't, go. like, I'm not saying that you should never, that you should ever hide that you're gay, but if you're in a situation where you're like, I don't know if it's necessarily safe mm-hmm. for me here, um, then that's just one trick I've learned. Oh yeah, My always fiance. be safe. Because then if you say partner or spouse, they kind of look at you, but if you say fiance, yeah, you know, they don't. Yeah, no, I, I always be safe. That's I tell Samantha, like, you know, which it's easy for her because when she's just talking about me, she can say yeah. her husband. But I'm like, if we're gonna meet somebody and you're worried about anything, like, just be safe, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, not like she's, she's good about it. I don't mean like, she's just like, you know, she'll, she'll stand up to her like coworkers or something. But I mean, like if it's an unsafe situation. Exactly. That's what I mean. Medical. So the first step for most trans people who want to medically transition is hormones, testosterone for transgender men and estrogen for trans women. Many transgender women will also take testosterone blockers in order to aid the estrogen as testosterone is the more aggressive hormone. Surgery is a different topic altogether, and there is no such thing as the surgery. So when you're asking, you're like, have you had the surgery? There is no such thing as the surgery unless you're fucking Caitlyn Jenner and you have millions of dollars and you can apparently get it all done in one swoop. Yeah. Um, so there's no one single surgery for which makes a person a man or a woman. Our identities make us who we are, not our genitals. However, for the most common surgeries, there are such. For transgender men, top surgery, which is a male chest reconstruction hysterectomy, removal of ovaries and uterus, and sometimes paleoplasty, the construction of a penis, or medial, eh, medialplasty, which causes the clitoris to somewhat grow and work like a penis. And for transgender women, there's breast augmentation implants, an orchiectomy, the removal of the testes, laser hair removal for the face and sometimes body, which is very painful. I always 
I always feel bad when I hear women talk about, you know, uh, mm-hmm. how many, you have to do so many sessions. Yeah, it's a ton. Because, like, one yeah. session is just, like, the base, and you have to keep going back and mm-hmm. back and back, back and back just and just getting lasered. And then and that's on your face, and then if you mm-hmm. have to do it on your sensitive areas, that's also yeah. painful. Uh, tracheal shave, which is reducing the Adam's apple, facial feminization, smaller and more feminine face, and the vaginoplasty, which is the inversion of the penis to create a vagina. So, again, uh, Every person's going to be different. A lot of trans people don't want surgeries. Uh, most trans people want one or two surgeries. They're like, I need this. Some people need all of them, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's, so it just depends. And then, as we'll talk about in a minute, it really comes down to costs and availability. Yeah. So the most important thing to note about medical transition is that it is a very long, very painful, and very expensive process. Surgeries are almost never covered out of pocket and must be paid for upfront as they are considered elective surgeries. In addition, few places of work will allow for the months of time off required to heal from these surgeries and even fewer jobs will give paid time off. Because of these many obstacles, the majority of transgender people undergo few, if any, of the above surgeries. And as we stated, not every transgender person feels it is necessary to have surgery to feel comfortable in their own skin. But others will struggle with the knowledge that they need a surgery, which will then, which they will never be able to afford. Yeah. So that's, a, I mean, like I said, that's a big one. We talked about it, having to pay out of pocket up front for surgery. And then you, like, how are you supposed to take care of yourself? How yeah. do you have the time off work? Like, I can't even, like, I've, there's a couple things that I've thought about getting done. Nothing major, like <laughs> not even related to this, but yeah. I'm like, I would need two weeks off of work to recover. Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to do that? So I can only imagine going through such extreme surgeries that are not only costly like that, but then you're like, okay, well, I'm probably not going to have a job after this. So then how am I going to continue to even afford to live? Right. Yeah. Like so. it's insane the way our medical system works. And, <laughs> and it's insane the way that, you know, like the, the hatred and the pe- way that people act like when people give veterans so much shit over the surgeries like these people go off and they fight and they serve mm-hmm. their country and they risk their lives and right they, and they have this and insurance the only thing they have their, they've f- <laughs> scarred themselves for life with the things mentally physically like, emotionally everywhere a lot of them come back at least partially disabled mm-hmm. like give these people the the respect that they exactly. deserve the respect you pretend to give them yeah and then people are like yeah they just joined the military so that they could get free surgery really that's why they did it yeah <laughs> like like fucking Kristen beck who was in the military for 20 years she fought for 20 years just so she could get surgery and be hated okay sure right. that's exactly why she did it that's what <laughs> misconception number four transgender kids get surgery so one of the biggest lies around the trans community is spun by the alt-right pundits who write articles with titles like trans child experimental guinea pig or transing kids as child abuse or why are we encouraging girls to mutilate their bodies these are all real headlines that spread the myth that young children are undergoing surgeries and life-altering transitions during their childhoods it's an absolute it's an absolute flat-out lie children under the age of 15 do not undergo trans-related surgery anywhere in the world And the few surgeries that teens can go through at age 15 are reversible, require multiple doctor referrals, parental consent, therapist approval that the teen is cognitively aware of the consequences, and generally more than a year of social transition with the teenager living in their correct gender. 
More advanced surgeries such as genital deconstruction or reconstruction are only available to teens 17 and older and hold the same requirements minus parental consent. So again, 15 years old, that is the oldest you can get any kind of surgery, and those are very limited and require Mm -hmm. a shit ton of stuff. The earliest a child can start any form of medical transition is at age 12 when they can receive puberty blockers. Puberty blockers are approved by the FDA and have been used for decades to stem hormones in children who hit puberty at an extremely early age. They're completely safe and completely reversible. From ages 12 to 14, a young teen can use blockers to prevent their body from changes and thus prevent the start of the wrong puberty. Again, this is after doctor and therapists have agreed the child is suffering from dysphoria and after the parents have been consented. In the Netherlands, a large study of transgender youth found that only 1.9% of participants chose to stop transition after starting puberty blockers. At age 16, in most Western countries at least, a child can begin the proper hormones for their correct gender. Again, these hormones are reversible, though some of the effects may not go away entirely if they are used for a prolonged period of time. For instance, several years of testosterone may cause an individual to always have facial hair hair, but this is only after a lot of exposure to the hormone and varies from person to person. And one big argument or one big answer I saw before for anybody who questions like, how can a kid know if they're transgender? Mm -hmm. And the parent responded like, you always knew you were a guy, right? Yeah. Like you never like, you were never a kid like, oh, maybe I'm, you know, maybe something, maybe I'm not who I think I am, you know, you, you always know who you, I don't know how to say this. You know what I'm trying to say though. Maybe you you always know who you are. It's like, but it's hard when you've never had to question something because you don't realize that you've never questioned it, but that's the whole point. Exactly. If you never once questioned that you were trans, then that's like, then in a mat that obviously someone who is questioning that probably has some real questions. Right. Like I remember I, and I told this before, like when I yelled at my therapist and I was like, everybody questions their gender Jim. And he was like, no, they don't. And that was the moment that it like really hit me that I was like, Oh shit. Like, nor- like not normal people don't <laughs> say that, but like cisgender people never question their gender. Right. But yeah. I, it was the only thing I've ever known my whole life, mm-hmm. you know, uh, same thing with like, you know, being attracted to girls. I always knew I was attracted to girls and I just assumed everybody just knew that they were attracted. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. attracted to everybody. Of course they would be, you know, you like never crossed my mind that everybody wasn't having the same thoughts. Yeah. Um, I do like though, like, so like one of the big things, like they put kids on hormones and they put them on puberty blockers. And this is some, this is something they pulled from decades of doing this to other kids. So like you've got an eight or nine year old going through puberty. Nobody wants that. So they right. they did puberty blocks blockers and nobody looks at those kids and says, well, wow, shouldn't be putting them on hormones. Right. You know, but if you do it to a trans kid who's questioning, who might end up having to reverse all that shit in five years, then you're being uh, ch- abusive to children. You yeah. know, it's shit. It's really bizarre exactly and hormones as a whole like even me if i stopped hormones right now there may be like my my voice wouldn't get any higher it would stay low Mm -hmm. but there would there would they were like i would just my my body fat would redistribute and like Mm -hmm. everything that's happened would just go back to where it was over time it it wouldn't be immediate but it would go back over time so anyway, so that's all shit. So no, so no trans kids are not getting caught up and sliced. They're not, ha- they're not, we're not putting penises on five-year-old or, you know, and shit like yeah. that. 
Misconception number five. Trans people are unstable and unable to fully adapt to society. This only applies to you. <laughs> <laughs> this only applies to people that have breakdowns in their dentist while, when they say that you're going to get a shot in your mouth. <laughs> Maybe I am unstable, but it's nothing to do with being trans. It's only because I'm a big bitch. <laughs> This <laughs> so this is perhaps the most foolish and harmful notion out there about transgender individuals. If you followed our podcast over the last year, then you know this is not true. We have covered trans heroes who made advances in medical industry such as Alan Hart, business entrepreneurs like Lucienne Lucy Hicks Anderson and Reed Erickson. We've covered activists like Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson author and local character Joseph Lobdell, even veterans like Albert Cashier and Kristen Beck. Wherever you look in history, there the trans community exists. Yes, often in the shadows or hidden in the back of history books, usually overlooked and many times maligned, but trans people have been there contributing to society the same way as every other human. The biggest difference, though, is we're still being murdered for who we are. As we end this episode, we will read a list of those who we have lost to violence this past year. This list contains only America, as we could not include the hundreds of names from around the world. However, we do encourage you to check out the tdor.info.com for a complete list. And, of course, that link will be in our website. Um, so this is from November of 2018 to November of 2019. Um, I'm going to do my very, very best to pronounce these names properly. Anybody who's ever listened to this podcast knows that I cannot speak English very well. Um, so I apologize. Most of these are pretty Yeah, if pretty I, easy, yeah, I'm going to let you take the first one. Okay. Uh, that's why I put the warning in there. Okay. He's like preparing everyone. Okay. Uh, T.D. Dansbury, a black trans woman shot and killed in Baltimore, Maryland on November 28th, 2018. Kiana Mattel, a black trans woman shot and killed in Detroit, Michigan on December 7th, 2018. Dana Martin, a black trans woman shot and killed in Montgomery, Alabama on January 6th. Ellie Marie Washtock, non-binary slash trans-feminine person found murdered at home in St. Augustine, Florida on January 31st. Jazeline Ware, a black trans woman found murdered at home in Memphis, Tennessee on March 25th. Ashanti Carmen, a black trans woman shot and killed in Prince George's County, Maryland on March 30th. Claire Legato, a black trans woman shot in the head in Cleveland, Ohio on April 15th. Malaysia Booker, a black trans woman beaten and shot to death in Dallas, Texas on May 18th. Michelle Tamika Washington, a black trans woman shot and killed in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on May 19th. Paris Cameron, a black trans woman shot and killed in Detroit, Michigan on May 25th. Chanel Lindsay, a black trans woman found murdered in Dallas, Texas on June 1st. Johanna Medina Leon, Transgender El Salvadorian immigrant who is denied medical treatment by ICE. Oh. Transgender El Salvadorian immigrant who is denied medical treatment by ICE officials and died in custody on June 1st. Chanel Skurlock, a black trans woman shot in Lumberton, North Carolina on June 5th. Zoe Spears, a black trans woman shot and killed in Fairmount Heights, Maryland on June 13th. Brooklyn Lindsay, a black trans woman found beaten and shot in Kansas City, Missouri on June 25th. Denali Berries Stuckey. A black trans woman shot and killed in North Charleston, South Carolina on July 20th. Tracy Single. 
a black trans woman found murdered in a parking lot in Houston, Texas on July 30th. Kiki Fantroy, a black trans woman shot and killed in Miami-Dade County, Florida on July 31st. Pebbles Ladime Doe, a black trans woman shot and killed in Allendale County, South Carolina on August 4th. Bailey Reeves, a black trans woman shot and killed in Baltimore, Maryland on September 2nd. B. Love Slater, a black trans woman bound and beaten, shot and burned in her car in Clouston, Florida on September 4th. Alicia Chanel Stanley, a black trans woman found murdered outside the Weston Hotel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on September 16th. Itali Marlowe, a black trans woman shot and killed in her driveway in Houston, Texas on September 20th. Brianna B.B. Hill, a black trans woman shot and killed outside Vineyard Park in Kansas City, Missouri on October 14th. So this list by no means covers the death of every transgender person in America or even all the trans people who were murdered in 2019, such as Jordan Kofer, who was killed during the Dayton massacre this year. In fact, since detailed, rec detailed record-keeping began in 2008, over 3,000 transgender people around the world have been murdered in the last decade. But this list, which is specifically for America and only in the past year, focuses on those whom police or family, or both, believe that the victim was murdered because they were transgender. There are 24 names on the above list, and 22 of them were names of black transgender women. We did not adjust this list to only portray black transgender women. It is simply the ugly truth of anti-trans violence and racism in our country. As we can see, the queer community cannot properly address transphobia and the violence which it stirs without also addressing the racism so often attached. Until we focus on the safety of trans women on the safety of trans women of color, on the safety of black trans women especially, our efforts to aid the transgender community through funding and support will mean little. As important as those resources are, they pale in significance for the individual who fears for their very life. And as we conclude our episode, we want to list a few resources for the trans community. We will also include links to these on our website at the bottom of the script page. But some good resources to check out are transequality.org, which, which advocates for transgender rights, pointofpride.org, which funds surgeries, binders, shapewear, and other forms of financial aid for transgender people. Translifeline.org is an online and phone support group for transgender people. You can also contact someone there if you need to talk, or you can volunteer to man the phones. There's the Trans Women of Color Collective. Yeah. the plane. Why are there so many planes tonight? I don't know. What, what are the people are fucking playing? There's the Trans Women of Color Collective. Online is TWOCC.us, which raises money for social justice, education, wellness, and survival, specifically for trans women of color. Any of those organizations are also a great place to donate if you are on your feet and able to give back. And for our listeners who are people of color, on February 28th to 29th of 2020, the QTPOC, Queer, Trans, Black, and Indigenous People of Color Conference, will be hosted in Santa Cruz, California. You can register online through February 7th. And for our final resource, the website does seem to still be in progress, but already has a lot of good information. Just go to transgendermap.com. It was created by Andrea James and has a host of other resources and links for trans and non-binary individuals. So we hope you learned a lot this episode. 
Mm-hmm. If you want to kind, if you were listening and you felt like there was a lot of information getting thrown your way, our script is online. If there was yep. a specific section, you know, you wanted to go and revisit, uh, read over. Just go to yourqueerstory.com and you can look at it. It'll be the first script that you pop up for right now. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, it's always in our episode catalog. Um, we have been publishing the scripts since Freddie Mercury, so you can see anything you want to see on there. Yeah. And uh, just one last thing, we're going to be dropping a little promo video and we're going to be pushing this hard for the last month, but we, there's another Apparently. fucking plane. Everybody's <laughs> flying into Warwick. And or this, leaving. I don't know leaving. what's... Uh, we're <laughs> the only people left in Rhode Island. We go outside. It's like exactly. a ghost town. Everybody's been evacuated. <laughs> <laughs> like, great, great. They're going to nuke the city and they didn't even let us know. <laughs> of course, they didn't tell the queers. Anyways, um, but we are going to be raising money for safe place. Um, it is a national organization that creates safe places all over the country. So people can go to, um, it focuses a lot on LGBTQ youth. It is for youth. So if you're running away from a domestic violence situation, if you're running away because you're, uh, if there's a youth running away because their parents don't accept that they're queer, trying to push them in conversion therapy or whatever. Um, if you're not in a safe environment, you can go to a place that has a safe place sign and it's companies and organizations all over like all over the country you can go to a place with a safe place sign they call a safe place representative someone's supposed to be there within 30 minutes to help get that that person to a safe place so it's a really great organization and as we're hitting the holidays um a lot of people don't have a place to go and uh, it's cold outside so if young ruth or if young youth are being thrown out of their homes mm-hmm. or they're being forced to flee their homes they need a safe place to go so we're raising money um we're going to set up a link through our, our website our patreon it'll be on our website it'll be mm-hmm. on our facebook it'll be all over the place um just look up your queer story and um yeah the link will be all over so yeah and a hundred percent of these proceeds go to that it's just a push for us and we're pushing through christmas so we've got just over a month to raise as much money as we can for this organization so stay queer don't get a lobotomy we love you our little allied hookers a little succulent surface our proud homocrats and i have a sodomy circus you little elves goodbye gay elves